we have to start thinking about where did this really come from? What are our true origins? What is the food that's truly our culture versus what is our culture that's been forced upon us? And then we were told we should eat this way and like it. And we've kind of like grown up thinking this was who we were when we we're not. Right. So. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review, or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds, and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Uh, I have a great guest in the building today. I have Dr. Dexter Sherney. He's the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Community Wellbeing and the Blue Zones Institute for Adventist Health. Uh, which is a faith-based nonprofit integrated health system serving more than 80 communities on the West Coast and Hawaii. Uh, Dr. Cerny, you're also the uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, your immediate past president and continues to serve as a board member and leader of the organization's work uh, to address health disparities, which is right up my alley. So um, Dr. Cerny, thank you so much for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's it's my pleasure. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into the conversation and talking about, you know, all the things that I'm, I really love your perspective on, how about we tell the people a little bit more about yourself and kind of what gets you up in the morning? Well, I, I tell you, every morning gets actually better. Um, so uh, one of the things that actually just happened about a week ago is that I've now been asked to take on uh, the DEI uh, officer role within our organization, along with some of the other things you mentioned in my title. So uh, I'm in the process now of uh, quickly trying to build a team to do this. Uh, and so to your point, that is one of the things that now really motivates me because it's always been part of parcel of what I was about. It was always something that uh, we were doing in the Blue Zone Wellbeing Institute. Uh, but now it just now brings those two things even closer together by putting it under uh, sort of one leader. And uh, so it's really a privilege. Right. Which is, you know, within that space, especially talking about the health and wellness of our community, that DEI space in regards to wellness, there's a, there's a lot of work to do there. Would you agree or how's that been going for you so far? No, I really do. I mean, one of the things that I've I've learned over the years is that Lifestyle medicine is so powerful, uh, and the thing that really holds back uh, a lot of uh, communities is that they're not able to really achieve healthy living, which is part and parcel of, of lifestyle medicine, uh, because of you know social determinants and things like that. And so, really, to bring these these two together, uh, really, I think is a great opportunity. And I think if we're successful, well, I know if we're successful. Uh, we'll see these disparity gaps really start to close. Absolutely, you know we've we've been we've heard a lot about lifestyle medicine, uh, especially with the past couple of years and how you know really people focusing on on lifestyle. But can you 
the people who are listening that don't really know, you know, they've heard lifestyle medicine, the term, but they don't know what it is. Can you explain what lifestyle medicine is and why it is so important? Yeah, so lifestyle medicine is basically uh, the fundamentals of health. And, and what we do is we use those fundamentals uh, in a therapeutic way, at a therapeutic dose. So, for example, uh, we all know how important proper nutrition is in maintaining health. Uh, we all know how important physical activity is in maintaining health, uh, how important it is not to smoke or to drink in excess, uh, you know, to get a good night's sleep, for example. And so what lifestyle medicine does is it finds the individual, takes the individual where they are and uses those kinds of things in a very therapeutic way. Uh, and it really, to my point, it, it really then forms the foundation uh, of health. And uh, so oftentimes I compare it to a plant that's growing in the garden. And uh, if you give the plant, you know, the right soil, uh, the right amount of water, the right amount of sunshine, uh, not too much, not too little, but in a balanced way, you get a healthy plant and everything about that plant is healthy. Well, lifestyle medicine is the same way. If you give the human organism, just like the plant, all of those components that I started to talk about uh, in the right manner then the whole human organism gets better. And what, what that means, uh, Corey, is that uh, your diabetes gets better, your heart disease gets better, your depression gets better. All of those things start to get better, just like what happens with the plant. And we know that if we give the plant all of those things in the right balance and what the plant really needs, right? If they're in a, a more hot climate, they might need a little more water. But we know that these are the things that are central for good health for that plant. Well, the human organism is the same way. Uh, and if we do that, all of these chronic conditions that oftentimes, uh, you know, plague us start to get better. Now, just like with the plant, you still might sometimes have to treat aphids or something like that. Right. You have to do that less often if you have a healthy plant to start with. Right. Same thing with the human organism. If we take care of all of these basics and do it the right way, the right balance, attend to the person's needs, then the, the need for medications and things like that are diminished. We don't need as many surgeries and those kinds of things because ultimately we're healthier uh, for that. And then the last thing um, before I turn it back is that it has to be in the right balance. Oftentimes what we do is we just say, oh, I'll just exercise. That's all I need to do. I can eat whatever I want. I don't have to worry about my sleep. All I have to do is exercise. That's the same way of looking at the plant and saying, all I'm going to do for the plant is give it water, but I'll stick it in a dark corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it never gets sunlight. I just give it a bunch of water. The human organism, the same way we have to attend to all of these things in balance. Uh, it's synergistic versus just focusing on one thing and think we have it with that. So true. You, you said something during when you were talking about environment and um especially with social determinants of health environment being a piece of that or location, your access to food, a lot of the things I'm sure you're thinking through as you're, as you're working on this initiative, what are some of the um, social determinants that may pose a challenge to lifestyle medicine? Well, nutrition is the biggest. I mean, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's the biggest, but it's a big one. It depends on Every individual is a little bit different in terms of where they find themselves, but oftentimes we find nutrition to be a huge barrier for a lot of reasons. One is that it's so closely tied to financial security. 
uh, food insecurity. It's also tied to where one lives. And if you live in a a so-called food desert, uh, then you don't have access. You may not have transportation. So even if you were to shop, now you have to carry the bags with you and maybe try to catch public transportation. So that's an issue. Uh, you may not then have the wherewithal to cook them, you know, things and it goes on and on and on, but nutrition is a big one. And then the last thing about nutrition is that it's so poorly understood. People really don't understand what they should be eating and how they should be eating. Uh, so that's probably um, the largest one or the, the most common that I see, but they all are important. I mean, we know what happened to Aubrey, right? Trying to to run in his neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, that could be an issue too. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, when you look like us, you can't run in every neighborhood. <laughs> no. And, and that's something that people are, are mindful of, that's you know, right. something also, you know, Dr. Sherney that I I've come to realize and I'm, I'm thinking more about is how culture plays a huge role in how we eat as well as our nutrition, you know, and, and when you put together culture, how you're raised or your current culture. Cause sometimes when we're raised, we can, we can kind of create our own culture within ourselves or with our own environment. But you're, if, if the closest thing you have is the gas station nine and not gas stations are trying to have healthier options, but not everybody's going to the gas station to get a, a banana or some, or, or a salad. Right. So it's that, it's that access to be able to get to healthy foods and I'm curious on your thoughts on if someone in this environment that, you know, their location is kind of, you know, don't have the best location, maybe they're where they're at, they're fearful of walking to the store um, and they've, they've been immersed in a culture where you fry everything or you eat this certain way. What are some aspects of uh, how can someone use lifestyle medicine to really get them to think of their culture differently, I guess, if that's where I'm trying, that's where I'm going at and, and just improve step-by-step their, their health and well-being. Yeah. I I think I I love the question. Uh, There's so many ways that you can take it. Um, One of the things is that, that I will say for, for the most part, if you look at people's original diet and culture, it tends to be healthier than our current diet and culture. And I, by that, I mean the, what they call SAD, the standard American diet. You probably heard that term. And so I've, I've done a lot of work with, with people from other countries and ethnicities and you bring them to the United States and they get sick, but if they were actually to embrace and eat as they used to eat when they, before they came to the United States, they would actually be healthier. So, you know, embrace the diet. If you come from Italy Bring that kind of Mediterranean diet to the shores here. Don't don't start eating, uh, you know, the American style of Italian food. Same thing with people from China. You know, if you go to China, if you visit visit Beijing and some of those places, the Chinese food there is actually a lot healthier than the Chinese food we have here. We, we Americanize things, and in doing so, we actually deplete it from a lot of its nutritional value. We take a lot of the fiber out of it. We start to process things. And so what I would tell people is celebrate their, 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 their diets of origin and don't Americanize it if you could avoid it. Now, African-Americans are a little bit disadvantaged. 
because most of us really don't understand what our original diets were. Right. But if you go to Africa, you know, where a lot of us came from, then those diets are different than the diets that we believe are soul food diets. And, and there's some experts on this that can tell you all about the origins of our so-called African-American diet in the United States and how its roots were actually in slavery. And we were really given the scraps that nobody else wanted to eat. And because they were the scraps, they didn't oftentimes taste very good. And we had to find ways to add a lot of salt to it and more fat to it to make it so that we could take it, you know, because mm. uh, it wasn't naturally good. And we've sort of grown accustomed to that. And we said, okay, this is soul food in some ways, not all soul food, but a lot of it. Right. And uh, we have to start thinking about where did this really come from? What are our true origins? What is the food that's truly our culture versus what is our culture that's been forced upon us? And then we were told we should eat this way and like it. And we've kind of like grown up thinking this was who we were when we're not. Right. And and over time, you just start thinking, well, this is I know for me. Culturally, this is how culturally this is how we eat, not understanding the history of it. That's exactly right. And if you think about if you really understood the history, you kind of make you mad. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, with, you know, in in regards to to culture and and nutrition and everything we've been talking about, Dr. Sherney, I feel like it comes to a switch in behavior, right? A behavior change. What are some things that people can do, you know, specifically in these underserved populations, uh, black and brown people are are minorities in these situations. How, what can they do to change their behavior to make that switch to be thinking about their diet in a different way to improve their health? Yeah, I, I would say that that there are different elements of this, but one of the things that we've found throughout history, change come about. Change comes about when you have people coming together around ideas and around wanting to change, you know, their environments and their communities. I mean, the power of one is 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 very true too. Mm-hmm. But if if communities could say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and start to say, what can we do together? Then that becomes powerful. It becomes a movement. We should really, not just black people, but minorities, whomever, even even less affluent majority folks should really think about what can we do as a community? Because that's power. So you think about you know, food deserts, you think about the affordability of food, it may be insurmountable for one person, but if the community says we're going to have a neighborhood garden, we are going to do this or do that in in our school systems, then it can become something that we can do. And it becomes much more easier and and less of an economic hit when we all come together around those things. So so that, that takes some activism, you know, I, I, I sometimes talk about, uh, you know, how the UAW used to talk about things. And it says we have to educate, we have to advocate, and we have to agitate uh, as well. Mm. 
you know, to bring some of these things about. And, and, and that's what I'm thinking too, around this whole disparities and nutrition and how we do it. So, you know, there are no easy answers, answers, Corey, you know, that if there were, we would have done this decades ago, but uh, I think there are some, some opportunities that could be promising. Right. So really focusing on it at a community level, specifically community gardens, community, you know, physical activity engagements. And then that will just grow into from the from a community to a city to a state, you know, and just go out from there. That's exactly right. And think about this. You know how people have been standing up at PTA meetings across the country talking about they don't want their children to wear a mask and, yes. you know, all that kind of stuff. What if they went to the PT me- PTA meeting and said, you know what, we want we want healthy this or healthy that in the cafeteria. We want to reinstate exercise or recess, you know, back into our classrooms. That can have a lot of power. Right. And uh, we just don't do that. You know, yeah, right. We're kind of focusing on the the wrong things at sometimes. That's so right. That's with right. with everything you're doing, it, and I I learned about this great uh, initiative called the Heal Initiative that you've been a part of. Um, can you tell me or tell us a little bit more about that, and and, and what's that all about? I'm happy to. Um, Heal is stands for Health uh, Equity Achieved Through Lifestyle Medicine. And it was a concept that I introduced during my presidency uh, for the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. In my state of the college address, my my first year in, I said, you know, all this work that we're doing around lifestyle medicine is great, but we're missing a big segment of the population that needs it the most. Mm -hmm. And so I challenged the group. So let's see what we can do around health equities and health disparities. And, um, you know, it was, I, I didn't know exactly how it was going to be received, but there was an overwhelming support from our, our, our group to do something about this. And I was so pleased when two of our leaders stepped up, uh, Terry Stone, who's a physician out of the Washington, D.C. area, and um, Marsha Gill Davis, he's a physician out of California, young physician, lots of energy, very talented. And uh, they stepped up to the plate and they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to take this on Dr. Sherney. And they came up with the name. I didn't have a name for it. They came up with the name and they have taken this and they've grown it. And it's been the fastest growing interest group within the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So I'm very pleased with that, uh, how this has been embraced. And um, so, yeah, that's the history of it. And we're making some great strides. We're actually giving scholarships now for people to learn more about, you know, lifestyle medicine, upcoming physicians and training. It's taken on a whole different, you know, roots that that are going to produce some really good fruit for us. That That's amazing. I mean, I, th- I think the more we can introduce lifestyle medicine and just a, a healthier way of living, uh, I think that will make such a great impact on health, on health equity across the board. I don't think people realize how how much it can until we start really getting in there into the communities. Well, you know, Corey, what's really interesting, there was some research that came out a year or so ago from the University of Minnesota, 
And, and you know, the data around COVID and yeah. the black community, right? You know, two times as much, you know, death and suffering. Uh, and they were trying to say, you know, maybe it has something to do with about being black, you know, and, and, and COVID. Uh, but in this research, what they did is when they adjusted for social determinants and lifestyle medicine, the death rate due to COVID versus, for blacks versus whites all of the gaps disappeared. And in fact, white folks were dying at a greater rate than the black folks once you did that adjustment. It was close, but the blacks were actually a little bit doing a little better. And so that just tells you the power of what we're talking about and why it needs to be applied. You know, I mean, it's, it's good that we wear a mask. It's good that we get a vaccination. But you know, let's attend to the basics, the fundamentals, going back mm-hmm. to that first statement about where does lifestyle medicine reside? And you can start to see these differences uh, very quickly. Absolutely. And and now it, look, it, so, it sounds like, you know, just based off your from your introduction, that you're, you're doing some community well-being at, with uh, the Blue Zones Institute. So I, I'd love to hear more about that and, and what, what that impact is going to be like. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this, as you can tell. And when I get excited, I start to talk fast. So, you know, slow down if, if you need to. You're fine. <laughs> I'll slow it down and post. I'll slow you down. Yeah, slow it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it at half the speed or something yeah. like that. I just get excited about this. But, you know, Blue Zones is about, uh, you know, the research came out about 20 years ago. Uh, its origins was was National Geographic and the National Institutes of, of Aging. And they found these regions of the world where people were living well into their hundreds and they were healthy. You know, they were climbing and, and walking and dancing and living this great life. And there were five of these uh, places in the, in the world, and they called them blue zones because they used a blue marker to circle them on the map. And that's, that's the only tied of blue zones, right? Yeah. But anyway, they've come become known as the blue zones. And so what they also found is that there were nine elements in common with all of these places around the world. And they were in different countries. I mean, one was actually in Southern California. So it's not because they were living in on an island somewhere that they were living so long. They were actually applying some of these secrets. And those secrets have become known as the power nine. Well, when you look at the power nine and you look at the pillars of lifestyle medicine, it's a perfect match. It's a Mm -hmm. perfect match. So the research, the epidemiological research that came out of Blue Zones, put all the research, the clinical research, lifestyle medicine, it comes together. So my job now, (laughs) I'm so excited about it, is that I can bring the clinical side because we are a health system and the community side because we're Blue Zones together and while both of those are powerful separately, they're even more powerful when you bring them together synergistically. So that's really the work that that uh, I'm, I'm starting to lead now. And uh, it's just very exciting to have that opportunity. Man, how does it feel to be able to to work on something like that? I can go. I can only imagine. I understand it's a it's, it's like it's a big it's a big it's big deal. Like, I feel like it's a big deal. And I don't want to put too much pressure on you, Dr. Sherney. But, <laughs> you know, but, but how does it feel to be able to know, like, hey, you're at the forefront of putting something together that can affect not only the people currently in these communities, but their children and their children's children and, and, and all of that. How, how does that feel? Uh, it, it, it feels like an honor and a privilege. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. And I, it also feels like 
I need to make sure that I don't waste this opportunity. Uh, and it also feels like it's not all about me. Mm, it's right. about the opportunity. And Corey, in order for me to get this right, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about us. And we right. all have to sort of figure out how we're going to do this. And what, what this does is this gives me a platform, just like Heal, right? I, you know, Terry and others and, and Marsha Gill, they're pushing this out and there are others that have come on board to get this thing done. I mentioned communities, you know, how communities can come together. There's power yeah. in numbers. And, and so I see my role as being a facilitator because I have a little bit of a pulpit, but it's going to be about us coming together and, and stepping aside me and letting us do what we need to do to get this thing done, because that's really where it's going to come from. So that, that's how I feel about it. And so what I would ask is, you know, let's figure out how we support each other in this and do what's right for our communities and the lives at stake. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Sherney, I'll be mindful of your time. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I really appreciated it. Um, Anybody listening that wants to learn more about you or what you're doing or just connect with you, where can they find you online? Well, um, they, I'm, I'm a lot of, they can go to my LinkedIn site. That's probably the easiest way to find me. Uh, and then through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, if they just send uh, a, a, an email or something there, then those, those folks there can, can contact me easily. Awesome. Well, again, Dr. Sherney, thank you so much for being on with me today. Uh, and everybody, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll holler at you next time.